Pandora's box, a box of chocolates Would I know to stay away? Oh, I said, Pandora's box, a box of chocolates Would I eat them anyway? Cause every time I have half a mind to leave you, babe That means I have half a mind to stay it's Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Good evening, this is Mike. Pandora's Lunchbox is a show about food every Thursday at 6.30. Sometimes the food is about the show, but it all depends, really. Today, a special program. When fish go bad. When fish... Go bad. I could just do this all night. No, I won't. Okay, you know, there's a fish and it went bad and it bit me. This is the story about the knight and the dragon. Okay, so it isn't actually a fish, it's a dragon. It's a dragon fish. The fish bite me. That is, he bite me by the meters. Oh yeah, it's from their album, Good Old Funky Music. And the theme today is, when fish go bad. Right, so uh, first of all, you know, there, there are very bad fish in the world, including the Asian carp, which is an invasive species in the Great Lakes, known to get up to 
100 pounds. They sometimes jump out of boats. Well, I guess the boats actually scare them. Probably it's the human's fault. You think? No. But the boats come along and the fish get upset and they're known to jump out of boats and knock people's teeth out, break arms, whatever it takes. When fish go bad, that's that's what happens. Now, in the meantime, there are people who throw fish, so it's a whole yin and yang thing. In Australia, there's a festival every January, and I can't believe I didn't realize this. I would have told you. I swear I would have told you if I knew about this. Tunarama, the Tunarama Festival in Port Lincoln, South Australia, every year. Now, here is the deal. It was first held in 1961. The John West Tunarama Festival regularly attracts 25,000 people to the seaside town of Port Lincoln, doubling the population, and includes the grand sport of world championship tuna tossing. The the specially frozen tuna, to aid grip and flight, weigh around 9 kilos each and have a rope tied to them. Seasoned competitors hoist the fish high above their head and spin them hammer-style before letting fly. Former Olympic hammer thrower Sean Carlin holds the all-time record with a fishy toss measured at 37.23 meters, a distance to make a grown man proud. I'm proud. Tossing takes place on the foreshore on Saturday and Sunday, although the festival gets underway earlier with competitions, parties, and processions, including tug-of-war, wheat sheaf tossing competitions, and that's all I need to to know, the slippery pole contest, the beach girl competition, and a boat-building race. All, All happening there on Australia Day, January 26th itself, there is a rodeo. So Tunarama goes on every year in Port Lincoln, South Australia, but there is a wrinkle in the tuna this year. <laughs> um, this from the Associated Press, Fish Throwing Festival in Australia switches to fake tuna this year. It's a change in tradition for an annual fish-throwing competition in Australia. For the first time ever, contestants in the Tunarama Festival will be throwing replica fish instead of the traditional tuna. Competitors hurl fish weighing up to 22 pounds as far as they can in the event. Winners get a grand prize of $870. The fake fish have been sculpted by an artist out of polyethylene, polyurethane, polyurethane to look just like the real thing. One former champion road tested one former champion <laughs> road tested the fake tuna. I'm going to read this sentence five different ways now. One former champion road tested the fake tuna and came away impressed by the imposter fish. A fish that had gone bad. Oh man, I messed that one up. Wait, what, my timing's off. The fish that had gone bad. <coughs> Is that lame yet? Some people are objecting to the change, but a festival organizer says it's time they got green about the event, throwing a polyurethane fish going green in Australia. That's the way to do it. Change everything into polyurethane and eat it. That's the way it works. That is the Tunarama Festival in South Australia at the end of this month. So those of you traveling there, get one. If you can get me a polyurethane fish or two, I'd really appreciate it. Appreciate that. I'd have them on my show. We'd have a good conversation. I don't know what kind of accent polyurethane fish in Australia would have, but nonetheless, here's a recipe. No, just kidding. Here's the recipe. About most soup crazy, we're not. But this soup is cool when it's hot. All night, and some gals just like to go out. Now, these things don't seem to interest me much. I just like to put food in my mouth. 
Now there's a place down south in New Orleans Where they specialize in French cuisines They cook a dish for which I'm devout When they serve it, you'll hear me shout Yeah! Bouillabaisse, bouillabaisse I ain't had a taste of it for days and days Vichyssoise is a crazy dish But I can't get with it cause it's got no fish So if you wanna hear screams of admiration Here's a few tips on its preparation Introducing Misty Marco of the Better Bouillabaisse Bureau Now you take the uh, fin of a minna and the scale of a whale Yes A small red herring and a lobster's tail Got it Add a barracuda with some cooking oil Then you brew it all up to a nice slow boil What else? Peel yourself an eel, throw a big fat clam in A lean sardine and some sockeye salmon Uh-huh Take the juice from a fifth of wine mm. Mix it all together till it tastes real fine You got Boon your base, boon your base the finest food you ever fed your face. Now if you want to cook it with expedience, here's a couple of added ingredients. Throw in the legs of a frog or two with an onion and a grunion and you let it stew. Moist an oyster and I'll tell you what. Throw in some shrimp and some halibut. Add a box of locks and some real mad shad. About a pound of flounder jack. That ain't bad. Then you grab any old thing from the bar. You mix it all up with some caviar, you got bouillabaisse. If you wanna have our admiration, repeat the pledge of the Federation. Bouillabaisse, bouillabaisse, how do you do? Bouillabaisse, bouillabaisse, we love you. Bouillabaisse, bouillabaisse, here's a scoop. This group is crazy for soup. Bouillabaisse, bouillabaisse. Oh yeah, Booyah Bass. That, as Arwolf may say, is our national anthem. But we'll have to find out from Arwolf himself in a half hour. No, 20 minutes even. Arwolf Face the Music is coming up at 7. But those are the DeMarco sisters and Booyah Bass. It's a beautiful thing. And there are, th- I think there are some ingredients in there that are not traditional, including I think they said something about fake polyurethane fish. I don't know if they actually mentioned that. Poly- or polyurethane. Polyurethane. Anyway, here's the deal. So we have the fake tunarama throwing contest in Australia at the end of this month. And also, if you're traveling from there to Iceland, as I'm sure we all do in, in the colder months of the year, there is a, a, mid-winter festival, a midwinter festival called Thorablot in Iceland, and it's held any time during the month of Pori, which begins on the first Friday after January 19th. Follow that? I don't know. But uh, Thorablot could happen actually anytime late January or early February, if I understand this correctly. This is from Scandinavia Travel at about.com. This festival takes place in the coldest, dark days of the year, and many of the foods served are the smoked and pickled produce of the previous year. Wow, let's celebrate the year past by eating food that is a year old. This is true. It's a Scandinavian tradition with lots of Viking history. The Thorablot celebration starts with dinner. For the midwinter feast... Icelanders serve what was normal day-to-day food for Vikings and turn back-to-nature-made food that was smoked, 
laid in misa, which is a sour milk product, salted, dried, or kistur, which is rotting and setting meat. Here's, if you can see this sample plate in the photo, it's a beautiful thing. You'd have to look real closely. It's actually at goscandinavia.about.com, and they're talking about Thoroblot, Iceland's Midwinter Festival. Here are the items for serving here for the festival. Item number one, hakari, which is putrefied shark. Number two is, oh dear, there's a whole lot of symbols on this one. There's a there's an accent and there's a little X over what looks like a squashed O and, and there's an umlaut. I don't know if I... Blue mur. So any Icelandic people out there, I'm terribly sorry. This is filled sausage and black pudding. And okay, we have a, a an advisory on what I'm about to say here. The hurtspungur, which is a ram's scrotum with testicles. We have the lundabagi, sheep's fat. Svinasulta, jellied ham. The svin... How do you pronounce the little squashed O with a... I'm so sorry, this is bad. A jellied sheep's head, nonetheless. Harfiskur, which is bread shape, bread spread made of fish. Okay, I can go there. And hangikyot, which is smoked lamb. After the Thoroblot dinner, don't be surprised at people's bad breath. Blame the menu. Get ready for group games and old songs and stories, accompanied by Brennevin, which is Iceland's strong schnapps. Later in the evening, dances start and often continue until the early morning when Thoroblot celebrations draw to an end. So, let's all celebrate Iceland's Midwinter Festival with some nice putrefied shark straight from the Vikings. It's a beautiful thought, and I've eaten worse, actually, so I'm not really knocking it. I'm just saying. This is Pandora's Lunchbox. It's a show about food. It's a show about fish that go bad. And here's a a story about a shark that I think you may recognize. Ella Fitzgerald, could you uh, sing this one to us? Uh, You're welcome. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. We'd like to do something for you now. We haven't heard a girl sing it. And since it's so popular, we'd like to try and do it for you. We hope we remember all the words. Oh. 
Ella Fitzgerald and Mac the Knife. And you know, right now at this point, we this might be a good time, since we've been presenting images of bad fish and fish gone bad, to maybe help to reduce the aggression here. So while we're listening to Mac the Knife, let's talk about how to deal with aggression in fish from PetEducation.com. Since aggressive fish need their own territories to guard, be sure that your aquarium contains many hiding places that can serve as individual territories. If space permits, you can add large amounts of live rock to your aquarium and carefully arrange it to create lots of caves and hiding spaces. If you already have live rock in your aquarium, rearrange it. This will effectively eliminate established territories and give all fish an equal opportunity to establish new territories. And once they got new territories, they can stake out their claims, they can establish their beat, and they can sell whatever they want to sell on any street corner they want. Mackie's back in the fishbowl, folks. So, it's Pandora's Lunchbox and WCBN. I'm Mike, and this is a show about food and fish. Pandora's fish paste. Now, fish paste, fish sauce. Here's, here's something to think about. Fermenting food, although we talked about putrefied shark before, and as appetizing as that sounds, nonetheless, fermenting fish can be a good thing. This is actually something from templeofthai.com. Fish sauce is an indispensable staple of Thai cooking, much like salt is in Western cooking, this odoriferous brown liquid is Thailand's soy sauce. Various forms of sauces are derived from fermented fish throughout Asia, fish sauce being just one of them. Thai fish sauce in general is paler and milder than Vietnamese. On some bottles, especially those that originate in China, Hong Kong, and the Philippines, the name may be fish gravy, but it's essentially the same as fish sauce. Now, going to Wikipedia... This is, this is of interest here. Some types of fish sauce. Some are made from raw fish, others from dried fish, some from only a single species, others from whatever is dredged up in the net. Mm. Delicious tuna can fish sauce aluminum soup, including some shellfish. Sorry about the diversion. Some from whole fish, others from only the blood or viscera. Some fish sauces contain only fish and salt. Others add a variety of herbs and spices. Fish sauce that has only been briefly fermented has a pronounced fishy taste, while extended fermentation reduces this and gives the product a nuttier, cheesier flavor. Wow. Southeast Asian fish sauce is often made from anchovies, salt, and water, and is often used in moderation because it is intensely flavored. Anchovies and salt are arranged in wooden boxes to ferment and are slowly pressed, yielding the salty, fishy liquid. A similar fish sauce was ubiquitous in classical Roman cooking, where in Latin it is known as garum or liquamen. Also existed in many varieties as 
oxygarum mixed with vinegar, and melagarum mixed with honey. Garum is frequently maligned as being bad-smelling or rotten. And for example, it was described as an evil-smelling fish sauce made of fish ranging from tuna, mackerel, and moray eel, and anchovies. So said Paul Wilkinson in Pompeii The Last Day, a BBC production from 2003. This attitude, says Wikipedia, derives in part from ancient authors who satirized the condiment, but mostly from the fact that fish sauce was generally unknown in the Western world until very recently. The truth is quite different, and in fact, garum only smelled when it was being made. Once the process was complete, it produced a pleasant aroma for as long as it was usable. Possibly most importantly, in English, it was formerly translated as fish pickle. The original Worcestershire sauce is a related product because it is fermented and contains anchovies. When fish go bad, it can only be good. That's all I I really have to tell you. But here is a recipe from 1881, the Household Cyclopedia. It doesn't have the N in it. It's been surgically removed. The Household Cyclopedia for an antique non-fermented fish sauce. Now, one quart of... Oh, God. I hate when I have a word in front of me. Is it claret? C-L-A-R-E-T. Let's say it's claret, a dry, wet wine. A dry, wet wine. It's a very, very nice wet wine. It makes you feel very, very good. And a pint of white wine vinegar. One half ounce of cloves and mace. Okay, I've never used mace in a recipe before, but that's got to be good. Two rages of ginger sliced. Two rages of ginger. A little black pepper. Peel of a lemon a piece of horseradish, one large onion, and a bunch of thyme and savory. A bunch of savory. Set all these over a slow fire to simmer an hour, then strain it through a sieve. When cold, put it in a bottle with the spice, but not the herbs. To a large coffee cupful cold, to a large coffee cupful cold, that's what it says, put a pound of butter, stir it over the fire until it is thick as cream, shake the bottle when used, and put no water in the butter. Mmm... Now, here's one rendition of a basic formula of a fish sauce from Vietnam. One part fish sauce, three parts water, three parts vinegar, three parts white granulated sugar. Combine ingredients and stir well until sugar dissolves. Chill before serving. There's so much to learn. And, and speaking of fish going bad, there are actually some roaming fish. Here, here is a list of some of the most aggressive fish. And these might actually make a more aggressive sauce, a more, I don't know, a more a, a, a more kickin' sauce, because if you use a more aggressive fish. Most aggressive fish. This is the list of the lowest-rated fish in the temperament category, Oscar fish. Oh, those evil Oscar fish. Oh, the Oscar. He just sits there. I don't know. The Oscar is scored zero on the aggressiveness category. But we also have uh, the top-rated fish overall for aggressiveness, the Siamese fighting fish. The Severum, isn't Severum Snape in one of those Harry Potter books? Cardinal Tetra, the Guppy, the Dwarf Gourami, the Clown Loach, the Ghost Knife, oh man, the Electric Yellow, the Neon Tetra, and the Silver Dollar. Top 10 most aggressive fish on the fishrankings.com. I hope that we've all learned something right now and that any of this made any sense. But I will mention this. This is a, this is a quote about fish. This is actually from 1988. This is actually William Sapphire, who I don't usually mention, but this is what he said here. Asked if recent ethical lapses in Washington could be personally blamed on Ronald Reagan in 1988, Democratic candidate Michael Dukakis replied with what he called an old Greek saying, a fish rots from the head first. 
His attribution to a Greek source cannot be faulted. The 16th century Dutch scholar Desiderius Erasmus translated the ancient Greek words into Latin, Piscis primum a capite fotet, most often rendered proverbially in English as the fish stinks from the head. The Dukakis etymology was impeccable, but his political judgment was faulty. And he goes on from there and goes with the whole political thing. But speaking of fish going bad, this is, this is, there's a lot we need to talk about. There is such a thing called fish odor syndrome, and this is actually very quite sad, very. Uh, this is from the BBC. This is a news item from a couple of years ago. A four-year-old girl has been diagnosed as having a rare inherited condition where sufferers constantly smell of rotted fish. It was triggered when fish was included in her diet from the age of nine months. According to the journal Medicina Clinica, it's the first genetic case of fish odor syndrome to be documented in Spain. It's estimated there have been just 200 cases seen worldwide since the condition was first observed in the 1970s, although doctors say it could have could affect five out of every 10,000 people. Fish odor syndrome. Putrefied shark. The shark with teeth deer that keeps them pearly white. It's all of a piece, really. A big piece of fish, and really it goes well with a, with a squeeze a squiz of lemon and a, a not have trouble to speak English. Now, finally, this has nothing to do with fish, but this is important. Northbound Interstate I-96 near Holland reopened yesterday. Uh, after cleanup crews cleared 40,000 pounds of pork and other debris from, from a crash involving three tractor tailor trailers. 40,000 pounds of pork and other debris. I'll have the pork and other debris platter, please. Yes, 40,000 pounds is good. Uh, yes, you do take credit cards. Authorities tell Wood TV that two semis had parked on the shoulder when a meat-carrying semi clipped them and overturned. It happened about 6.40 a.m. Wednesday in Allegan County's Fillmore Township. The two northbound lanes reopened after about three hours. Authorities say the pork truck's driver probably will be cited for the crash in Fillmore Township, and now we can fill more sandwiches. Sorry, this has been Pandora's Lunchbox. I've been Mike for at least as long. And coming up in just a moment, it's Face the Music. But in the meantime, we're going to end with a song about fish, for fish, by the fish. This is the Divine Comedy, and this is a seafood song. It's WCBN FM Ann Arbor.
Welcome to Face the Music. My name's Jim Dwyer. I'm uh, very thankful for the opportunity to sit in for Our Wolf tonight, and uh, he'll rejoin us next week, no doubt. Thanks also to Mike for a fabulous edition of Pandora's Lunchbox. I'm now uh, on top of the uh, putrefied fish scene, and uh, I've got an Ella Fitzgerald tune stuck in my head, so that's the best of both worlds. Uh, we're going to spend some time tonight listening to country music about the Vietnam War. Interesting thing about reality, this dubious concept.